big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today, as you can see from the title, we're talking all about transitions through parenting. And really what we wanted to do today was to, from this perspective that we're in now, where um, my uh, son is 14 and my daughter's 18, and Lael, your, your lovely... Uh, my darling's uh, 20, my son is 20, and uh, my daughter is 17, and my youngest is 12. Hmm. So we thought from this position here, we might share a little bit about the journeys that we've taken so far, and really to give a kind of perspective from this point in time, because I, I, I know, and I think we might both have a similar experience of um being parents of younger children, the the kind of intensity of the experience and kind of having a sense that that intensity would continue forever and, and wanting to hear from parents who are perhaps a little bit further along. But perhaps you maybe have children of the same age or maybe your children are older than ours, whatever. But we're, we're hoping to um, share something about our journeys that might be interesting and valuable for you mm. today. Yeah, I, 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 this really, I think, came up when we, we talk about what we want to discuss in the podcast of um, through this time we're living in of COVID, you know, my son moved out. It was most like he moved out of home and we kind of missed it because he decided to, you know, if we were all going to be locked down for a while, he was going to live with his girlfriend down in their beach house. So they moved down there. They've been there for like five or six months now. And it was like all of a sudden I was like, oh, we moved out of home and I didn't even know, <laughs> even though all his stuff is still here. It was like this big transition of, oh, I didn't even know that was happening. It was not a, hey, mum and dad, I'm going to move out and can you help me get my first flat and everything. It was like this, oh. And, you know, we've seen it occasionally and we're like, are you going to come home? And he's like, yeah, probably. And we're like, oh, that just kind of happened and we didn't even realise. And it's really brought up for me thinking about when he was little and thinking about those years seem so long ago now and it's sometimes hard to remember. And I mean, I I feel like this is crazy. I feel old. Like 20 years ago, we didn't have iPhones, right? So we weren't filming everything. We had to use the old camera. And so I don't have as much footage of him as a little person and, you know, his first words and talking and as many photos and all those kind of things as perhaps I did by the time I had my third child. So uh, it's been really interesting just reflecting on the transitions we make through parenting of remembering what it was having little children and particularly through that aware parenting lens, how intense it can feel sometimes. And, you know, mainly probably really similar to you, Marion, a lot of the clients we work with do have little children and are in those toddler years. A lot of people I think do find aware parenting when, when their kids are hitting or biting for the first time and doing stuff and they're like, how do I deal with this? And, you know, they come to it in those years where it is very labor intensive of parenting and so I think it was it felt really beautiful today to just discuss you know the different things we've experienced and learned through those different phases of parenting and for those who are in those years of little ones where it does feel sometimes just so 
relentless and it's never going to end and you can sometimes feel like you're the servant to little people all the time and and all those challenging things that we experience when we're very very hands-on with little people because that's what they need that it does shift and move and it changes and there's different things that pop up and and it calls different parts of us so i think for those of you who are listening with little people perhaps this will give you some inspiration or maybe just help you enjoy where you are at the moment even amongst chaos if that's what's in your family uh, to know that it does shift and change and it's so true that they say enjoy them when they're young it goes quickly and you know now I feel like I'm like I'm an old person <laughs> like you know you'll know when you have your own children you know like my in-laws say that all the time you'll understand when you're a grandparent uh <laughs> I love to say that I'm like oh I'm starting to get that now I'm starting to I'm starting to look at you know colleagues or, or clients who have little people and go oh three-year-olds are divine enjoy them while you can <laughs> you know um so yeah it's bizarre it's just I think that transition that we all go through don't we Mm. Do you know what I often think about is something about being a parent that um, it's so obvious, isn't it? The the changes that they go through, like it's really obvious, you know, not newborn to a, even a six month old to an 18 month old to three, four, five, nine, 10, 15, 18. They're just, they, they're changing so quickly. And there's something about that that really um, brings that up in, into consciousness in ways that we might not otherwise be so aware of like that that passage of time and that we are constantly changing and that there is a it's a parallel journey isn't it that we well we're invited to anyway we are also invited to be constantly uh, expanding and um, becoming more as as we traverse that parenting journey so there's something magical for me that happens when we as parents that we're actually literally seeing that because we're seeing so clearly, Oh, you know, my child just on really practical levels like they keep on outgrowing their clothes for a lot of the time, don't they? And, you know, they eat more or all those kinds of things. And that we, we get to see that in ways that perhaps we wouldn't do if we, um, you know, if we weren't walking alongside our children in that way. And there's something about that that I think can, um, help us really see those journeys that we're on too, that we are constantly growing and changing. If I look back now to how I was 18 years ago as a, or nearly 19 years ago as a new mama, I mean, like I'm completely unrecognizable. It's so profound, isn't it? The yes. journey. Yes. Unrecognizable. Like I, I often think, I know I've probably shared this, this thought before, but I wish I had, you know, 25 year old me who had a baby. I wish she had 45 year old Leo now, <laughs> to go, oh, let me, let me share some, some wisdom with you to help lighten the load of what you're carrying of what it is. But we learn through doing and we learn through the wisdom of sometimes feeling the contrast and shifting. You know, maybe I wouldn't have wanted to hear it back then anyway. Maybe I wouldn't have listened. But it is all, you know, in hindsight, you can go, oh, God, she needed a whole lot of support and information then that she didn't have. But it's led me to here. So, you know, it's, it's all perfect. Mm. I think, you know, I, I wanted to to touch on that first transition into motherhood, particularly when we have our first child, our first baby, it's, it's just one of the most massive leaps I think we take because it becomes all about that servitude on some level for another person. And, you know, I used to talk about in my birth workshops all the time, we go through on some level, the death of 
of the ego of who we think we are. One part of us, you know, dies on some level to be born into becoming mother. We go from even that transition of maiden to mother. And it's really big and particularly in our culture because it's not talked about enough. It's not honored. It's not celebrated. You know, we do it in trivial ways by having perhaps baby showers or maybe belly blessings or things like that. But that huge leap that we take that can feel really lonely. It can feel very confronting. It can feel very confusing um, all while you're meant to take care of a little person, you know, and, and you're doing a brand new job with no training and that can feel very, very tricky to do. And I, I mean, I, I think about not only because of the challenging birth experience I had with my son, but that first year of mothering for me, I just, what went through my head all the time is what on, what is this? Like, this is so full on. Like I just kept constantly going, why didn't nobody ever tell me that this was intense? Why does he need me all the time? Like I just felt a sense of outrage at society for not sharing what that was like. And then I felt this um, sense of shame because I couldn't speak that because nobody else was talking about it. I was meant to love being a mum and I was meant to look good and have a clean house. And, you know, like I was just like, what? this is crazy. So I think that the invisibility of becoming mother was was huge for me. Like I know you've had a completely different journey, Mary, because you did do the research and the support and the work. But I'm coming from the place where I was like, "Yeah, oh, let's have a baby, no worries." Like, <laughs> you know, we just jumped in and went, "Oh, yeah, we'll figure it out," which is pretty much what I do my whole life. Uh, I was going to say it's a little bit familiar, isn't it? <laughs> I'm like, what research? Let's just do it. Uh, and I, I love that about myself now. I just, you know, it loses its loses its charm. I think if I put too much effort and work into researching stuff, so I'm like, let's just jump in and see what happens. Um, so I think, you know, from my experience personally, that was just the hardest transition for sure. Is is just that first baby and coming to that, who am I now as a woman? Who am I now as a mother? You know, I felt like I had no identity. I really began to see how mothers weren't valued in society and and it, you know, and because I was the first of many of my friends to have a child and I would go out sometimes and, you know, meet other people and they'd be like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm, I've got a baby. I'm at home with a mum. And they'd be like, I, oh, yeah. and that was it. And I was like, oh my God, it has no value. It has no weight. Like, and I wanted to yell, don't you realize I am shaping a human? Like, this is like, this is one of the most extraordinary important things in the world, but it wasn't mirrored back to me. So, you know, I felt very lost in the bigger picture of it all. And it took probably a good year for me to get my head around, okay, you're a mum and this is what it is and, and trying to figure out what kind of mother I did want to be. And I was looking for those role models and watching. It was such a time of huge learning, but it was a battle it felt like because I, I didn't look after myself. I didn't know that the feelings I was having were very normal and, um, and it was hard. It felt really, really hard. And, and because of that, I, I, I felt disconnected from my son. I probably wasn't as present with him as, you know, now what I look back, you know, but I've shared this story, but my beautiful husband was, he jumped in. He, he just, from the moment he became a dad, he was like, this is my magic. And so, you know, I'm really happy that, you know, he could hold that while I was finding my foot. Uh, my feet amongst it all. And then by the time I got to having my, my second child a few years later, I think because I was already mum, that transition into two felt so much sweeter and there became a lot more joy with it. And I already knew what it was like to take care of a baby and to breastfeed and, you know, to navigate sleeping and all those things. And so there became, you know, it became about a juggle of meeting two people's needs, but 
but not having to do that hard transition or what it was for me into mother was, was beautiful. So there came so much more healing and beauty with it. So it was, um, you know, for those out there who are listening, who've had similar stories and journeys, I, I hope that you just know that you're not alone. And I've, I've, you know, I've worked with so many women over these years that I know that what I'm saying is not just me because I have heard it so many times before that early transition into mother was hard. And I think just the intensity of, you know, I remember thinking, you know, you just don't sit down. You don't sit down until they're at least six when you can take them to the playground. <laughs> you know, they can climb up the thing on their own. Or I just remember thinking as soon as my baby started walking or crawling, I was like, all right, that's it. No more sitting down for the next few years until we figure out. And I mean, it was those things I joke and laugh about now, but it does change and it does shift. It was, you know, the they felt like this milestone when we got to the point where the child didn't need me to buckle their seatbelt anymore. I was going to say the same one. <laughs> I was funny? like, woohoo, or they can get their own snacks or they get up in the morning and don't come and wake you up, you know, or just, you know, there's these beautiful milestones where we go, whoa, that's where we are now. And it's not forever, it changes. And, and I think that, um, you know, in hindsight, when you look back, it can feel hard and like this is going to be forever, but nothing is forever, it changes, you know. And so I think it is, um, I hope it just does help those who are in the thick of it to go, actually, you know, it's okay, it is where it is now and it will shift and move. So what about fear, Marion? What was your, I mean, I, I know you are probably entering into motherhood was a whole lot gentler than mine was. You know, I want to say two things though before that. Um, number one, I want to say, I mean, how reassuring for people to see that you went from that that first year to um, to oh my god, look at you, and look at you for the last goodness knows how long. What an amazing mummy you are, and your and you know how you are. I've been at your house. I've hung out with your family. I see the dynamics there. I mean, what I love about that is that it's so possible even with a, a bit of a bumpy start to absolutely mm. transform things around and. You know, become it become the, your biggest one of your biggest strengths. So I really want to acknowledge you, Lau, for the, mm. the inspiration that you that you offer to so many. So mm. thank you, I darling. That first. Number yes. two, I wanted to bring in, as you know, I like to talk about the bigger picture. Like when you're talking about those things, I, I love what you're talking about the you know rites of passage. We don't have any of that really, or you know, some areas. I live in Malambimbi, so we do have a little bit of that right here. <laughs> but, um, to me, I see so much of this to do with colonization. It's like, you know, nowhere in the history of humanity until the last couple of thousand years, or maybe even more recently, were women, mothers expected to hang around with a baby or several small children for hours and end by themselves. I mean, it's so completely not how we're designed to be as human beings. We are designed to live in community with um, all different ages and generations, with aunties with grandparents with with so much you know embedded in a culture and a lineage that is all about supporting the, the next generation and respecting the previous generation so to me the fact that it is so hard and challenging for for so many women is absolutely and again it's like what you said it's like it's it's not an indication of something wrong with us as individuals it's actually an indication that the, the culture is fundamentally um, not how it's designed to be and not how it's set up to support families, to support the thriving culture. So I really want to bring that in. I think it's so important to, to hold that bigger piece. I, I really, I'm glad you said that because it, it is true. Because I think a lot of the women I used to work with, particularly in the early years after birth, would be, 
you know, I'm doing it wrong or I want to go back to work, like, you know, and because they're like, I want to break and then they'd feel bad that they want to go back to work. And I'm like, oh no, I get that. That makes a lot of sense because you, you aren't getting your needs met at home and, and it does feel relentless. And you're exactly right. We're not meant to be in our single little houses on our own, raising our babies. It's it's hard. It's intense. It's full on. And it's actually crazy. Because yes. It's not designed to be, not designed to be like that. Yes. We're designed to be meaningfully in meaningful, you know, doing meaningful things whilst mm. caring for our babies, whilst also being able to go off and gather or do whatever we do with grandparents mm. and a gazillion other, you know, the teen, mm. the older children, they're just, that's mm. that we're designed to be. We are not designed to be one woman or you know even a few women or whoever you know whatever gender it's just not is how we're designed to be so I just I, I remember really clearly when I did have Kai and um I joined a local I had like a local mother's group here in Australia when well here in where I live when you have your baby you you see the maternal health nurse who's meant to look after you for the first kind of few years of your child's life and then she sets you up in a mother's group and so I joined the mother's group who were women who lived in my area and um they were all like lovely, but way, way older women than me. So kind of having their babies in their late thirties and I was like 20, just 25 <laughs> and, you know, we'd all come to mother's group and it was all our first babies and they would be talking about their house renovations and things they're doing. And I'm just be like, mm, I'm flat out trying to play rent. <laughs> and, um, and I would go to these mother's group cause I was starved of talking to people who also wanted to talk about sleep and poo and feeding right? because that's what consumed my life yet I left every mother's group feeling so bad about myself thinking oh, I'm not doing it right or why is this why is that yet I kept going back because it was the only connection I had to some form of tribal community to who was going through similar things that I was going through even though I didn't feel like I could relate so it was a very lonely isolating time and again looking back I needed to find similar similar people who held similar values to me, even though I didn't quite know what values I held when I was first a mum, I was, I was figuring it out. I look back and think what I probably needed was to find like-minded friends mm -hmm. who were also raising children who probably, you know, felt similar to the way I did to, to lean into that more. And, um, and I, I do see that sometimes too, with some of the women I work with of just, they haven't yet found their tribe. They haven't yet found the people they feel connected to who are also going through similar journeys. And that can be such an important piece that holds us through. I mean, and we talk about this in a way parenting all the time of, you know, having a listening partnership or somebody that you can call to leave a message or when things are hard. And we need that more than ever when it comes to those early years of parenting. Mm. And I remember that and I'm happy to share more of my story, but you've, you've probably heard me share because I share this one a lot. But I remember when uh, Lana was about six months old and I was at the local mother's group, which is, you know, quite alternative. I live in a very alternative place, but nobody was into aware parenting and I was passionate about aware parenting already. And I still remember that moment. I can, you know, feel the body sense of sitting outside holding Lana and just crying, 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 just like, I really want, I want to know a big community of, of other mothers and parents who are really into aware parenting. And it was like such a, such a strong call because I felt the, the loss of it so deeply, that, that deep belonging and shared values and shared ways of seeing things. And so for me, that was, and what I love to share that story about with people is because that was such a driving force for me to go okay I really want that what am I going to do about it so I went and bought you know at the time you could buy a whole box of uh, books from Aletha so I think I bought 
you know, like the whole box of Beware Baby times a few times. And I would take them everywhere I went. And I went to every, you know, around here, there's mothers and babies yoga and mothers and babies singing and all of those things. I went to every group I could. And I took the book around and I said, I'm going to start a group. Would you like to come and join in? And started just a little weekly local group where they, everyone would come to my house and at the time Aletha had um, workbooks so she had uh, an aware baby workbook and the tears and tantrums workbook to go with her books so we got we had the workbooks and we would go through them and and those, those people became some of my core friends that I'm still friends with now well who I met people who became my core friends and it was so just so important for me to have that community and that it was that also then led me to go okay I want I want more so I set up a Yahoo group and that became you know again lots of people in from that groups became instructors and still are empathy buddies now like I don't know 15 years on or whatever it is so I think that can be the helpful thing to remember yes it can be really really painful if we haven't got that and I like to share that story to say okay um, you know what would you like to do something would you like to reach out who do you want to meet how can you do that and you know even if it's online online is preferable to nothing and through yes. the online we get to meet more and more people we get to fill our community and you know what I, I remember for me is having the yahoo group for example would mean I would go out into the world and I'd see all the people doing all the other things and I would carry this deep sense of belonging with me because I knew I could go back home and I could share on the Yahoo group and that there were already many people in the world who had similar ways of understanding babies and children and mm. I think it's just so important to have those kinds of connections whatever way we can that really made such a huge difference for me mm. and look what you've created Marion <laughs> Like there is it's so much of it is because of you I mean I got here because of you you know I think it's so amazing what you have created by following what you deeply desired which is where most magic happens doesn't it you know that's where when we see a need or a hole or we're like that's what I wish I had that's when so many amazing inventions and and possibilities exist so I love that I love that so much I you know I have you know obviously here in Melbourne there's lots of people who are into aware parenting and I want to say now Melbourne is like the center of the universe in terms of aware parenting isn't it you've got more people there than anywhere and I love that when they come to your groups and stuff like that and they're like I want to create my own group I'm like yes go do it you know I just like you create the group that you you needed for you like go do it it's you know there I I think it's beautiful it's yeah that community piece is fundamental isn't it of finding those that you resonate deeply with yeah I think you know reflecting back on this last you know 18 19 years to me is like really also seeing that the the consciousness has shifted I wonder if you see that too I've been talking about this this week you know I know Mm -hmm. Back then, it was like it was a little bit of a stretch to go. Would you, you know, what what do you think? And there was a lot of you know naysayers back then. And now I really have the sense, you know, even though Aletha wrote the books like forty years ago, The Aware Baby Plus, mm. it's like um, the collective consciousness is kind of catching up and is really ready for it. So that's why I mm. see this mushrooming effect of aware parenting. It's like you know, really okay, it's. It takes root and, and becomes more and more. What, what's that way of describing it? Like each little branch has another mm. 10 branches. That's mm. what I really see is happening in Melbourne. It's like just mushrooming, isn't it? Ballooning. Mm. Yes, it's <laughs> Multiplying. so good. 
it's amazing it's from all amazing. your beautiful work Leo. <laughs> yeah it's amazing i see it uh, and i see that with the school i'm building too you know it's starting a another thread on that branch you know of another way of doing perhaps schooling or using these philosophies of all the all the beautiful things that it stands for is yeah it's it's building the tribe isn't it it's building it mm. So what about for you, I guess, that early transition, Marion, in those first few years with with Lana, you know, how did that feel for you? I mean, it was, and I think sometimes it can be helpful sometimes when it to have more, in a way, I'm not wishing it upon anyone, but I really knew so early on that I really had a lot of, uh, you know, internal healing to do, a lot of emotional healing to do, and that's what drove me. And I actually even said, I need to do 10 years of therapy before I become a mum. And I did. I did 10 years of therapy. <laughs> and, and it was actually, you know, if anyone's listening who hasn't yet become a mama, the, the wonderful thing I found about doing all that inner work and plus, you know, it was my, my academic work was the same and the psychotherapeutic work. It was all um, leading to becoming a mother, basically. It was all like the training for that. And what it did for me is it kind of gave me a, a bank or a reserve of um, loving listening because I'd spent 10 years on various therapist couches sharing about my childhood and being lovingly heard. I'd been to a gazillion workshops. I'd done rebirthing. I'd done lollotropic breathwork. I'd, you know, I did a lot of workshops. I did a lot of training myself um, as a psychotherapist. So I had a lot of like listening already. So it was almost like that really stood me instead for I'd say about the first two years because I knew inside out my childhood experiences. I know what it was like to have those listened to. I knew how deeply children feel because I'd really, um, you know, gone back and really had a lot of that kind of experience. So it's actually really helpful to already have that coming in to give and give and give and give and give. And I did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of giving. I hadn't yet learned how to listen to my needs, but luckily I had that kind of, um, you know, that big bank, the bank of loving listening. So it wasn't until about two where I started to feel the, ah, <laughs> the feeling stretched and really needing to shift some core beliefs around my needs and valuing my needs and, and those kinds of things. And I think the other thing that actually made it really easy for me is that I'd moved to the other side of the world and so it was just me and Lana's dad. Um, so I was really free to really follow my values and I didn't have anyone questioning me. It was like me saying, okay, this is what I'm doing and I'm going to find the people who want to do this as well. So I didn't have any relatives or any you know, friends around me who were kind of questioning what I was doing or judging me or any of that kind of thing. So that was, again, a really helpful thing. I don't actually recommend doing that just that. But it, was, it did make it a lot easier that I didn't have anyone saying yeah. why are you listening to her yeah. crying yeah. and not giving yeah. her a dummy or you know yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yes yeah you don't have to move across the other side of the world um it but yes it did make it a lot easier <laughs> yeah I, I totally get that you know, well I think on some level too I, I relate to that because I didn't know none of my friends had kids or you know and so there wasn't any benchmark of this is how you should do it. We, we just felt often we were making it up because we didn't have that community there. And on some level I look back and think, um, yes, it allowed us, allowed us to listen to our intuition a bit more and to build a bit more of a whole, okay, well, what could this look like? 
Um, but we could have also done with a little bit of guidance. <laughs> I think I think we could have also done with a few elders around to go, how about this? Or maybe try that way. <laughs> or, yeah. I, you know, I often joke firstborns are often pretty tough because they're breaking you in as parents. So, so they're pretty resilient little beings, you know, because they're the ones that, that make you the parent. And then by the time you get to your third, you know, I often joke too, you know, I was, I had very high values of what I thought for my son. He was, you know, not going to watch TV until he was two and he would never eat sugar until he was at least two or three and really you know this is what it's going to be and um you know i was fairly adamant you know i was very mad with people if they didn't listen to that and then with my third child honestly i walked into laundry one day she was four months old and her older brother and sister are shoving chocolate in her mouth <laughs> she's four months old laying on the mat and i'm like oh whatever <laughs> I literally just went yeah she's fine and uh that was it <laughs> so I thought I love how much we relax as we get older because you realize they can be hard you know babies they're pretty tough and um they're hard to break <laughs> like I mean I say that jokingly mm. I share I always remember as a young parent there was a it was in like a, a cartoon like that first baby you know have the this mm. gentle, personal, organic, you know, everything. Yes. Like by the fifth, it's like, you know, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, Is this, yeah. The kid got clothes on, whatever. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I used to think that too. When I remember meeting this mum once and we were chatting and I had my third by then. Tali was crawling around everywhere and, you know, Indy was maybe four or five and some they cried or something, they got hurt and the mum's like, oh, wow, you're so relaxed. And I just yelled out, Is anyone bleeding? <laughs> Um, they're like no and I go okay and she's like gosh she's so relaxed and I was like no I'm just tired (laughs) (laughs) I mean they would come and found me I'm making myself sound like I was a completely negligent mother I wasn't you were not (laughs) (laughs) but I just the part of me that's like oh yeah all right um was so much more chill I think because you realize I don't know it comes with experience of course it does you know and I think that I look at my third child who's you know he's she goes with the flow because she had to fit in from the moment she was born. I was like, you need to be able to sleep anywhere in the car or in the sling or in the pram or whatever, because we're going to be looking, you know, chasing after your brother and sister. So yeah, it definitely makes you a lot more relaxed in what you're doing. So I do love the wisdom of that and that transition into, to relaxing into trusting. You know, I think that was a very big part of having more children and then watching them grow is being able to really move more into trust. And realizing the more relaxed I am, the better it was going to be for them as well. So I think that was a huge transition that I learned from going from one child to two and then, you know, expanding the family. It certainly, um, it certainly helped. And I think as they move from that baby toddlerhood, which is, again, you know, toddlers are all about that magnificence of discovering the world and exerting their will and lots of no's and, you know, lots of big feelings that come because they want to do it their way or what, you know, all the gorgeous stuff that we talk about is, is testing on some level really calls you into that patience to sit and hold and to, um, you know, really trust in their journey of healing. You know, for me, the younger years were definitely about that. It taught me so much about holding space on some level or learning to hold space for them until they got a bit, long uh till I got a bit older um when they were probably more at school or in in my world my kids went to school and um and again there became a few more freedoms so when my children started going to school and you know I had only one child at home or you know I began to see that there was more ease and space for me and I think those years kind of when my kids were between the ages of six and ten felt some of the 
easiest on some level because it wasn't as labor intensive. They could do their own thing. They could get their own food. You know, there was driving around those kind of things, but there was, they also knew how to express themselves a bit more. It didn't require as much. They could ask more for what they want instead of, I guess the toddler years was just their behavior was often showing more around what their needs were or what, what was missing for them. So I found those years a lot easier kind of just in those early primary years when my kids were at school and, and navigating that. And then as they start to move into the tween teen years, I began to see it, it asked for me to shift even more. And I love that you spoke about this right at the beginning of, you know, as our children shift and grow that we do as well. And I realized that so many of the things that I thought I had handled, <laughs> I thought I was all over. My kids moved into the teenage years. It was like, oh, you have to go even deeper now. Like there's even more stuff for you to do here to look at that. And that was extraordinary. And I think for me too, in thinking of those transitions, I just knew before we hit teenage years, and we've talked about this before, Marianne, I just didn't believe there had to be teenage years where there was going to be door slamming and I hate yous and, you know, kids not communicating with us. I just really held us a belief that it could look completely different and that we could raise teenagers who were, you know, connected to themselves and to us and respectful and shared their lives. And, and that probably in those six to 10 years of age group was when I really started to think about, okay, well, how do we create that? What, what could we do so that that is still being held? And that's where Aware Parenting, I think, has just has built a most magnificent foundation to work from to, to go there. Mm, yeah, we were talking before about talking about foundations, weren't we? And I was thinking similarly that those, those first few years, I, I always think of that the first few years are like my forte because that's, you know, my area of research and I've done so much work. Like the first, I don't know, up to about, six seven eight like I'm really like especially first four years like really I find that so comfortable and enjoyable and it's not been my forte so much since then but um oh, do you know what I actually find I'm going a little bit side topic from what you were talking about the foundation but I what I really enjoy about those early years is actually the requirement for that presence even though it's really really challenging and hard to be invited to be present so much and particularly you know from the aware parenting lens is I also really loved it because it's like having this call all the time to how to, to the invitation to presence and what and what gets in the way of that and what's showing up and all the ways all the repression processes and all of that stuff so for me I actually really enjoyed those earlier and more intense years when that's what they really were inviting and wanting so much and in a way now it's like I can go off and read a book for hours and all that stuff it's like you know I can I can use any of my repression mechanisms whenever I want to there's no there's <laughs> no one's call calling me. you on it no one's calling me on it anymore and there's something about that that I miss that there's something like really Invite, invitatory, mm. that's not even a word, but do you know what I mean? Do you have a, do you, you might need to get, all? you might need to buy a puppy, honey, or, or start looking after someone else's little toddlers. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit hard to go back to that, isn't it? Like, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I adore all children and I absolutely love little people, but as I've moved through these phases, part of me is like, I couldn't go back to that. I'm really looking forward to the time when my children have kids, you know, and, um, and to be a grandparent and to be able to enjoy that and then leave 
the house and go home to my house (laughs) or just, you know, those things that sometimes are tricky when we're, when we're parents, but I, I really get what you're saying about it calls you into presence. And yet I find, um, yes, that was so the case with little ones, but I find with my teenagers and I think because I, we often have a lot of teenagers here. I find when they've got problems or stories or issues going on and they want to talk about it, that it, it has taught me to develop an even stronger muscle of listening. And, and I think the differentiation I often would find that with toddlers, you know, you would just listen and you would hold space for them. And it wasn't so much about fixing. It was almost like, you know, just letting them move, the feelings move or whatever. Whereas for me, what I found when I'm sitting with my teenagers and they're talking about stuff that's going on because they are like, you know, almost adults and they're discussing and they're, they can make sense of stuff. You know, the therapist in me wants to just jump in with solutions and it's, I've had to work really hard to learn to say nothing. It's really, I still find it challenging sometimes, even though I've been doing it for a long time to just listen. And we've talked about this before on the podcast that I find in these teenage years, they want a quality of listening where there is no judgment. There is just sitting there to just hold space for them to share what's going on for them. And I found that that's been a deepening because I can see what's going on. I could offer you a solution. I could make this better. I could protect you from having to navigate this tricky friendship that's about to explode. You know, I can, I can help you, you know, and I found the fixing part of a lot of us, you know, I found that that is, is called for more. It's, you know, I feel like it's easier to fall into that when they are teenagers because it's like you're talking to an adult. And, and that for me particularly has, has allowed me to go deeper into my skills of listening and holding space. It's, it's like, it's similar, right? Just, it looks a bit different, but I've found I've had to, you know, when I see a, a raging four-year-old in front of me, I'm like, yay, go. But when there's an angsty 15-year-old and they're this, this, and this, part of me is like, well, you know, <laughs> you could try this, this, and this. And, you know, everything's an invitation to look at yourself. And they're like, I don't want to hear any of that, mom. <laughs> like, and sometimes I love my teenagers will call me on it. If I do bring any little, you know, therapy kind of comment, they just look at me like, don't even start. And I go, sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so it's interesting. Like that's what I found a different transition and in the teenagers. And we've talked about this too. Um, there is, there's so much more freedom. As you say, you can go and read a book for hours. You can go and eat all the chocolate. You can go and watch five seasons of Netflix and your teenagers aren't necessarily going to call you on it. Cause they're not going to be like, I need some special time or I need you to be present with me or whatever. They're pretty happy in their own worlds. Right. Yeah. Cause they're doing that separation thing. They're finding their own spaces. Yeah. So yes, there is so much more freedom, which I know when you have little children sounds so enticing because you're like, oh my God, I can wake up when I wake up and no one comes running into my bed at six in the morning or, you know, we're not called on as, as physically. Yeah. Yet it, I, I find that it's asked me, particularly with my kids living in the city, when they go out into the world, it's asked me to stretch more into the trust piece mm-hmm. of letting them go, having that freedom to be out there to doing those things. It's called a different quality. So it's physically not as demanding at all but emotionally I found it's really asked me to sit in other spaces you know which has has been confronting at times Mm, I love our conversations because it's like the the similarities and then the different experiences and it's Mm. really really helpful to go oh 
oh, oh yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I do also find that, you know, the kind of repression stuff, like, um, you know, my beautiful 12 year old last night, you know, I love that they like to talk about their feelings when it's 1130 at night. And I'm like, Oh, could we not have done this a few hours ago? Anyway, that was the time. So we were going there and, um, and you know, she, as she was sharing all stuff was going on, I I really felt into myself and said to her, I just don't think I've been as available for you at all. Like I've been really busy with work. And she said to me, mum, don't go there. You're doing really good work in the world. It's not about that. And I was like, okay, thanks. But I started to get into my own story of, well, I'm letting you down because we're not really spending as much time together and you're only 12, but because you're my third child, I think of you like you're 17. And I have to remember that you still probably need a lot of this stuff still. And, and, um, it was really interesting having a conversation around that just with her. If I said to her, do you, what do you need more from, from me? And she, it was beautiful. She was just like, I just need a little bit more of this. And I was like, excellent. Okay, let's do that. And that's, I mean, that's beautiful to be able to have those conversations when they are older, it brings, you know, it can help you a lot as a parent because you're basically saying, what do you need? You know, often little people can't say that to you in so many words they do with their behaviors. But so, you know, I found that there's a lot of richness in that. I love teenagers. Teenagers are amazing. I want to let you all know who've got little people. It can be so magnificent and beautiful. It can also be challenging, but God, they're so awesome. Seeing them just move and morph into the humans that they are and finding their, their own individuality individuality and just you know it's just so rich to watch it's beautiful it's so beautiful mm. amazing so i mean i find it such an honor and, and and incredible like how i often think like i'm seeing my daughter who's like you know four inches taller than me and mm. i remember i literally remember when your feet were like this small. yes <laughs> incredible yes. Isn't yes. It? incredible that they yes. move in such a short period of time Yes. From this complete dependence on us to this complete, amazing, magnificent independence of who they really are. Still needing, of course, connection and support and empathy, but they are who they are. And I just I see my son now who's 14 and starting to get taller. And I, I, every time I look at the person, I'm in awe of the whole, the whole of the parent's yes. journey, even though it's been really hard at times. And, wonderful at times is uh, just the opportunity mm. to get to, to mm. walk beside them day after day after day after day and I think for me that's where the trust part comes in you've talked about that so beautifully but now generally we get a lot of time to um to repair things to rectify mm. things to, to see how things actually unfold for them in different timings than we might want them to and incredible isn't it incredible so I'm glad you say that because I was just as you were talking then I was thinking that you know there's so many times and I know this with parents who go I make I'm stuffing them up but there's too much damage am I ever going to repair and heal and and I really want to offer you there is always space for healing for repair each day we have an opportunity to move more into connection and to healing every day so you know I and I've shared this openly, you know, my first kind of seven or eight years of parenting was completely, I mean, I was still, and it's beautiful attached parent, but really doing none of the stuff that we're doing now. And yet I look at 
what has formed in with my kids and the relationship and the possibility that exists. So I just, I really want people to know it is never too late, never, ever, ever, because as we do the work and we shift our stuff and, and we turn up for our children, you know, with that spaciousness to say, Hey, what do you need? And I'm here for you. And I've got you, you know, gosh, anything is possible within it. So I, yeah, I, I see that as I look back and just think the times I gave myself a hard time because I thought I was doing it wrong or I yelled or I did this or I did that, you know, and I look at it and think, oh, look at the beautiful adults they are now and the connection that exists there is is magnificent. You know, I, I think also too one of the most valuable things, oh, there's so many beautiful, valuable things, but one thing I definitely have learned over the years as a parent is to always tune in to my kids when they're old enough to say, you know, what do you need from me more of or what what are you not happy about? Like I really want you to hear what do you wish mummy would do more of or what is it that, that you feel doesn't feel good and really asking them really quite, you know, point blank what is it that doesn't feel good I remember asking my son that once you know what doesn't feel good in our family and he sat there and he really thought about it and he said the wi-fi is a bit slow (laughs) and I was like yeah okay but I'm like also what about you know do you feel like you know we get grumpy or we listen he's like "Mm." like he had nothing like he just realized like here's an opportunity mate tell me all the feelings and he was just like no i like the wi-fi to be faster (laughs) in sometimes what has happened is it's really opened up beautiful conversations where they go this isn't feeling fair that doesn't feel good for me and really can honoring that beautiful magnificent relationship that they are human and they have you know a voice and that voice is always welcome I I just find particularly as as I've grown in the teenage years that was just one of the best things I've done to keep giving them that voice and asking them Mm. how beautiful you know I even think as well when I look at my relationship with my mum she's 89 next month and um, we've we've made another leap of transformation in the last six months because we've been in hibernation and hanging out loads and doing all new things together and so uh, that also I love that it's like seeing on all the generations like it really 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 is possible to to change at any time to mm. things to heal for things to for reconnections to happen and mm. that really you know, that doesn't mean to just go, oh, I'll just leave it. But, you know, to, to know that, have that reassurance that change is, yeah, it, you know, happens at any time. It does. And when you least expect it, I love that too. Just, you, you know, the willingness to go, I'm really willing for this to be healed. And then something random happens. You're like, oh, oh that was, there yeah. it is. I didn't know it was going to happen in that way. Yes. And you know, the other, you know, do you know? go I I wanted to add you know you're talking about teenagers and how yummy they are and I wanted to absolutely um agree with you there and there's something isn't there about in the kind of domination culture around teenagers and toddlers that so doesn't do them justice and I, I really love how where parenting really brings in that teenagers and toddlers are such gorgeous yummy lovely beings we might have feelings and responses and we might have all kinds of stuff show up but but again that foundation again the more we can bring in that foundation and and keep on offering connection and doing our own inner work that the the teenagers can be incredibly kind of smooth and beautiful and 
Mm. Well, that, I, I love what you just said then because that for me, if I reflect back on these 20 years of parenting and what advice would I give to myself, it would be do the work, do the work on you. Like be brave enough to look at what comes up, what feels uncomfortable, do it because every single bit of work you do on yourself creates more space for you to turn up for your kids in the way that they need or want or desire and every single piece that I lean into that's uncomfortable and the courage you have to do that, then it creates more space and you, you, I guess, get, you move closer towards the relationships you do want. So, you know, I think I would, if I was to go back 20 years and go to lay all, you know, be courageous and brave and, and go there and ask those questions and lean into it and get the support and take care of you because the whole journey is going to be so much easier if you put your, like, take care of you first whether that's looking at your story, whether it's like just your need for support, whether it's someone to listen to how you feel, start with you because when you really start with you and you hold that as, as sacred and non-negotiable, then everything else is, is so much easier to navigate. So, you know, that's, that's my 20 years of wisdom right there. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I sometimes still feel like I'm 25. <laughs> I'm like, no. I whisper 25. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. oh, what a beautiful conversation. That was fun. It's been so fun reflecting. You know, yeah. I just, I love it. Yeah. yeah. My favorite thing at the moment is my son, when he does come home, he walks in and he likes to pat me on the head because he's like six <laughs> foot two. And there's something so endearing about it. I love it. Or if he's sitting on the couch, I sit on his lap to have a cuddle because I'm just like, he's huge, you know, and I, I just love the man he's becoming. is so beautiful. It's just, it fills my heart. It's amazing. It's, yeah, all the, all the gorgeousness. So, yeah. There we go. All right. What have you got? Have you got an offering, Marion, of what you would love to offer people of just around this in the transitions of, of parenting? Well, we kind of we talked about 20 years, like looking back to 20 years ago, us is and wishing we'd had maybe, you know, back then uh, plus 20 mm. year old selves. But I do think we can do that. And I know we both, you and I both do that kind of thing. So I wonder if. Um, if at any time you you don't quite know what to do or you've got some uncomfortable feelings or I don't know, you're hitting yourself with emotional sticks, whether you might invite in um, 20 years older you or 40 years older you and to say, you know, well, what, you know, what, just to let that you hold you and love you and speak to you and unconditionally love you and support you and I don't know, see, see what comes because there's often, you know, we can access that kind of wisdom through doing mm. those things. Mm, beautiful. And I would, um, I would love to offer what, what is something that you can do that honors you and what you've done already as a parent and what would be something you can do to, um, to look after you even more, you know, to be the parent you want to be. So what can you honour in yourself of what you have done already? And then what would that look like, you know, to just bring all, even more of that in to you? Mm. And I think, um, you know, Marion, I just saw this before because we were coming, your um, 
power is it powerlessness to power course what's it what's that called power and powerlessness power powerlessness um and many of your other courses would be so brilliant to tap into and do because if you are in that place of struggle and this feels hard all those offerings that you have are such amazing um what's the word i'm looking for support there's the word (laughs) support to do the work right which is what we talk about so if you know don't wait parents do it jump in do it do the work now because it really does pay off so go check out marion's stuff it's so beautiful and rich yeah you love it and i want to say back to you on back to the (laughs) listeners i know you've got another you've got a level two immersion happening at the moment and you've got another level one one happening yes it's starting on the 12th of october so that is time sensitive 12th of October. My Aware Parenting for Couples course is almost ready to be launched in about two weeks. So so maybe who knows when you're listening to this, you can go and have a look at that on my website because that'll be out there soon. So that's exciting too. Yes. And I have heard um, people saying things like, uh, I've made more shifts doing Lael's immersions than I have in 10 years of therapy. So uh, <laughs> also, that's beautiful. Also, mm. I highly recommend your, your amazing, <laughs> amazing, amazing transformation. This is the this is the part of the podcast which is the mutual appreciation part of the podcast. <laughs> it's so that, funny. I think they might have noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> no, one of my friend goes, "I listen to you, Marion. Like you just you're so loving to each other." I'm like, "I know. She's my sister. She's amazing. I just I so celebrate her. I celebrate everything you do and the, what we what we collectively you know put out there to the world. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah." Thank so thanks everybody for being here and for listening we hope that's given you something to i don't know just to open you up to know that even in the hardest parts there's magic that can exist and there's possibility there and it won't always be like this and um i don't know from just being in the journey for a bit longer and coming out the other side you know it is all worth it it's amazing Mm. And you'll probably look back at one time and say, oh, do you know what? I know it was hard, but I wish I could relive that day all mm. over again, just, just for one day. Oh, I would totally have my newborn babies just for a few days. Oh, my God, the smell and the oh, – like I would just – that's my favourite part, the newborn. I would just go back there and then go, okay, after a few days, I'm done now. <laughs> but, yeah. of every age again. I'd like to go through every single age and just have, mm. just like have even if it was half an hour of magical miracle amazing gift yeah and then i'm gonna go and cry (laughs) i know i'm just looking forward to my grandchildren like my kids i'm like oh you wait i will just be like oh my god all over it my husband's like you know they will be their children not ours i was like i know like i'm gonna be all the worst parts grandparent that i say don't be anyway anyway all right thank you everybody for being here you know take care and um go gently Mm -hmm. so much love to you thanks for joining us on the aware parenting journey please follow us on facebook and instagram at the aware parenting podcast you can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.